an A&E original podcast. Music can expand your mind. Music can express your heart. Music can inspire actions. Music can also restrain unnecessary actions. Music can connect you to other people. Music can connect you to your family. Music can connect you to not only people across the country, but across the globe. And most importantly, music is a very entertaining and educational language that we can use to communicate with our youth today. And it has powerful mental health potential. Only thing stopping us from tapping that potential is the will to listen and the skill to be able to apply. In this episode, we hear from artists, educators, and activists in the hip-hop community. From Chief Rocker Busy B and Grand Wizard Theodore to Dr. Jaleel Abdul-Adil, Dr. Ebony Utley, and Melissa LeBron, we're talking about hip-hop as therapy. Born in the Bronx, raised in the streets from coast to coast and worldwide, these are the stories, the moments in time, the places, and faces the origins of hip-hop. Hosted by me, Grandmaster Kaz. We've touched on what was happening in the South Bronx between the late 70s and early 80s, and that was really a microcosm of the social and political trends in America. After decades of racist housing policies, the gutting of social services, failing public infrastructure, and a shrinking economy, black and brown communities across the country were suffering. And yet, in those same communities, a cultural renaissance was underway. I got together with my good friend of over 40 years, Grand Wizard Theodore, the man who created Scratching and the Needle Drop in hip hop. We talked about hip hop as therapy and how we've used hip hop as therapy in our lives. You can be going to school, um, you can be, you know, myself living in a single parent home and stuff like that, seeing all the abandoned buildings everywhere in the Bronx. That's yeah, why people used to say Bronx was burning because there were so many abandoned buildings because the landlords couldn't get anyone to move inside their buildings, so they started burning them and stuff like that. Then, you know, going through, you know, arguing with your girlfriend or, or seeing a bunch of drugs in the streets and seeing all the gang activity, and I can start hearing music, and that music can be so therapeutic for me. It's like you, you can read a book, and when you read that book, that book can take you anywhere you want to be in gotcha. the world, and that's what the music was doing for me. Gotcha. It was taking me where I wanted to be. What we traditionally think of as therapy has many forms, and most often it refers to psychotherapy, basically talking to a licensed professional about your interior and exterior life in order to understand and regulate emotions, work through trauma, and navigate relationships. There is also art therapy, which includes music, dance, and poetry. This is not some metaphorical approach. It's real, scientifically recognized mental health treatment. So when we talk about hip-hop as therapy, we are talking about the real positive effects of this music for the individual and society. My name is Dr. Ebony Utley, also known in colloquial spaces as Dr. Dreamkiller. So I might have an unpopular take on this particular subject. The good doctor had some different opinions on the subject. Is hip-hop therapy? Kind of. So as a writer... 
actually before I became a nonfiction writer, believe it or not, I wanted to be a fiction writer. And my teachers would always tell me writing is not therapy, right? Like your feelings, your emotions is not therapy. If you as an artist, if you're going to create, you have to create identifiable characters and authentic emotions that sure might stem from you, but are designed for your audience to communicate a message to your audience. So I think some of the best hip hop is actually not therapy. It's those identifiable characters and authentic emotions that sit with us as audiences. Now, once it's been packaged and created, can it be therapy? Absolutely. The other day I was thinking, I can't remember, I can't believe that I used to wait in lines on Tuesdays to get CDs to bring them home. It's a whole thing. Now I can get whatever I want when I want it. But anyway, no matter what mood you're in, you can find the song that fits that mood. And I think that in and of itself is a beautiful form of therapy. No disrespect to, to therapists that are trained to do it properly. But one of the beauties of hip hop is that if you're in a mood, you can find parts of the culture to fit that mood almost instantaneously now that we have the internet. And you can either decide that you're going all in and you're going to fit that mood or you're going to shift your mode by your get hype music or your get hype dance or representation to do whatever it is that you need to do. And I think that is one of the most beautiful parts of hip hop across like all of its iterations from the start of hip hop to present day. And further, when an artist is able to express their trauma or struggle through lyrical expression, and that expression is celebrated by their community, that is when the therapy grows far beyond the individual. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Block Party. Despite state and local government turning their back on the South Bronx, the hip-hop era came to be defined by celebration. Think about the Block Party, an organic, community-centric, non-corporate gathering of people in the neighborhood to celebrate life, taking collectively shared stress, anxiety, trauma, and channeling it into music, dancing, graffiti, and the spoken word, also known as the four elements of hip-hop, a.k.a. the DJ, the MC, graffiti, and the b-boy. Jaleel abdul Adil, Associate Professor of Clinical Psychology at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and the Urban Youth Trauma Center co-director that's part of the National Child Traumatic Stress Network. I, I do think that the block parties offered a space for expression that would balance off some of the uh, elimination or reduction of opportunities in other areas of society. And I think coming together, and if you remember back in those early days, some people may forget, there'd be like hundreds, thousands of kids in some situations and there's no violence. People are really coming together, establishing a sense of community connection. There's certainly with conflicts. Whenever there are humans, there's going to be conflicts. It could be 200, 2,000, or two. You know, uh, there's going to be, con we're going to have differences of opinion. But there wasn't a level of pervasive or consistent violence. And actually, if you look at it as, as a healing space, 
This was when some of the early Zulu Nation and other community organizations were using these block parties to dissolve, um, if not eliminate, the barriers between different neighborhoods that were in conflict. So there's a lot to be said about, you know, the modern versions of restorative justice and coalition building and community development. You can argue that a lot of that was done organically and independently by young people at those block parties. And they had to negotiate sharing resources, sharing space, inviting and allowing people from other neighborhoods to come all on their own. This was not done by government. This was not done by ac academia. This was not fully funded, you know, by these, by these foundations. These are young people kicking and clawing and scratching with their own very limited resources to make things happen. And they successfully did that. When taken in this context, the formation of block parties and jams can be seen as an act of self-healing. And that is exactly why it continues to resonate with so many people across the world. It's now launched this international culture of rap and hip hop that, that has grown exponentially to be the most popular musical genre, even by industry standards and sales. In the United States, it's exploded internationally as a phenomenon, and it continues to maintain these connections. It still go right back to those original block party dynamics. Now it's like an international block party. And people can go to different areas of the world, and they still see rapping, DJing, beatboxing, dancing, graffiti art in its, in its, various, in its various forms. Yeah, see, the block parties was the shit because that's what it was. It brought the gangs, it brought the crews, it brought the girl, it brought everybody together. We chopped it up with Chief Rocker, Busy B. Rather, if they even had a beef, rather, we, would, we wouldn't know because we wasn't into that type of stuff or I wasn't into that type of stuff. But if right. a crew had a beef and the crew was outside and the music was playing, they ain't had no beef then. You see all these girls out here and all these people, man? Facts. <laughs> Word. So, so, I mean, they bought people. And then when you knew they was coming, you would tell everybody else. And, you know, by three, say if they say four o'clock and they coming in your neighborhood, you see by 3.30 new faces coming in town, yeah. coming around. That crowd of people, that parade yeah, walking down you, the street. Yeah, you start, you start seeing that shit, man. And, hey, man, that was dope. Native Tongues slash Gangsta rap. For more than 40 years, there's been a tireless media narrative about the social ills of hip-hop music. Whether it's N.W.A., Run D.M.C., or De La Soul, the focus has so often been about what those groups are saying to the world rather than what they are saying about the world. Ironically, hip-hop and religion, that was my safe space as a youngster. Okay, I wasn't supposed to listen to secular music, but when I found gangster rap, it spoke to my soul. And if you're a fan of gangster rap, you know exactly what I mean. Like the sounds weren't supposed to go together, but they did. That's Dr. Dre's production, like that's Snoop. That's that that feel of the funk in terms of the samples, that smooth R&B and this clash of discordant sounds that aren't supposed, those high-pitched tweaks that you hear that aren't supposed to go together. That was life as a black teenager in the 80s and 90s, things that aren't supposed to go together. And hip-hop was one of those things that wasn't supposed to go together. Like black people in particular, former drug dealers that were young black men weren't supposed to move into a music space and become entrepreneurs. Like 
that shit wasn't supposed to happen and yet it was happening so as discordant as the music was like it gave hope for the future that you could see yourself differently as an entrepreneur as a fashion mogul as a producer as someone who's an accountant for the fashion mogul or the producers it gave us new careers and new hope in ways that we hadn't seen previously we never allow for the fact that different expressions of hip-hop culture can come from the same community or even the same artist. And you use, from the musical elements, one or both of either conscious rap, which shows you or talks about what you should do, and gangster rap, which shows you what you shouldn't do, right? But there's also blends. And I use a lot of blends because a lot of my kids have blends of good and bad experiences. And they may have a very gangster rap mentality while they're trying to move forward in a successful pro-social way. And even some of the pro-social things you deal with or pro-social ways you live, you still can fall into some gangster rap type traps, right? So I try to find the right song which reflects the experiences. So for example, there's the Meek Mills of the world, right? Who has gone through a lot of challenges, has been in jail before, still gets in scraps, but he also has made a song called Young Black America, which it's not preachy, right? But it still conveys messages from an OG to a shorty as conveyed in the video about how, how you manage interpersonal conflict, how a basketball game can turn into a life and death situation. And the OG is trying to give you some knowledge without preaching to you and pointing fingers and looking down at you. And that's the connection to gangster rap, right? And, and in real life, this reflects the fact that a lot of my you know, gang programs, I have to deal with gang leaders. I have to deal with those gang members who are actively involved, but they're the ones who can give a pass and give protection to the other kids so they can do things other than just be in gangs or participate in sports. There are plenty of people because of the gang structure, they were able to do non-gang things. It is only because of that protection and sometimes even fiscal resources that were provided that now they're able to be so-called upstanding members of society now. So there's a real blur between the so-called good and the so-called bad, not only in music, but also in people. The realities of gang culture, the drug war, and police brutality exist simultaneously to Afrocentrism and socially conscious political activism, using them as an argument to define or discredit an artist or a genre or a whole culture misses the point. They all come from people who are talking about their life, trying to make sense of it all. Hip-hop provides an identity shortcut and it also provides a trauma short circuit, if you will, because someone who understands your music probably understands you better than someone who doesn't. Someone who doesn't understand how to get to you can, can cut that circuit a little shorter by using hip hop to get to you. Also, as youth and a listener of hip hop, it, there might be something in the rap music or there might be something in the dance movements or there might be something in the art that you just get. And you think, man, there's someone out there that understands me. Because for most youth, the majority of the issue is they feel alone, right? They feel like there isn't any support and there isn't anyone who really understands what they're going through, especially if there's no one in the household that, that really maybe is even paying 
taking the time to pay attention to the kid and what they're experiencing. And so hip hop can be an opportunity for another adult to do that, like just by playing the music and showing that I identify with you, I identify with your music, I get you. And also, if you don't have the language to talk about how you're feeling, that's okay. Maybe you can find someone else's language in this particular song or this piece of art or this dance movement. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The curriculum. Once we begin to understand hip-hop as a kind of existential journey, we can immediately see its value in an academic setting. It has something to say, and therefore something to teach. It feels like more than coincidence that so many hip-hop groups met in high school. For today's youth, hip-hop culture is a greater influence than ever before. As Chuck D pointed out in an interview all the way back in 1999, Hip-hop is a religion for people under 25. That religion has spread exponentially in the past 20 years. Is that because of the aesthetic, the attitude, or because of the expression of self, the untangling of identity, the emotional highs and lows? So Chuck D famously said in an interview that hip-hop is a religion for people around the world under the age of 25. How do I feel about this? Dr. Utley had some different opinions on this topic. Religion is ritualistic, and that's what distinguishes religion from spirituality. So there are certain rituals that you do in a certain time, in a certain place, sometimes wearing certain clothes and certain colors to do your thing with your divinity. But hip-hop is anti-ritual. It's a place for experimentation. It's a place for breaking the rules. It's a place for finding your unique identity. So no, I wouldn't define hip-hop as a religion for people around the world. I personally don't think that you need to value hip-hop by comparing it to religion like hip-hop is hip-hop it speaks for itself at this point hip-hop is nearly 50 years old is good and grown hip-hop got grandkids y'all i just don't think that we need to make those kinds of justifications or comparisons teachers are now incorporating hip-hop into their curriculum as poetry history literature and music why because it encompasses all those things. Therapeutically, it allows them to tap into their creativity. Because when you don't have money, you have to be creative. <laughs> and it allowed them to see how other people 
utilize their creativity to keep their mind right. Melissa LeBron runs Windows of Hip Hop, an organization I'm involved in that works with kids of all ages and education. You know, the great part about it is in within our neighborhood, there's so many murals for different dedications that the children can connect to. So the kids were starting to see the endless possibilities of their artistry and, and what they can do. Hip hop is not just the four elements, you know, there's other elements to it too. But I was told by some of the pioneers that when they described hip hop and how it helped the youth, because this is an old story. This, this is a story as far back as time, but just in the 70s, it was, there was so many young gang members that, that just were feeling lost and, 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 and hip hop was kind of what wrangled them together. You know, they call hip hop she or her, because they describe it like it's a flower or a vine that kind of, when you walk through the Bronx during that time of the birth of hip hop, the streets were very broken up. And the only thing that kind of grew was the weeds and, and the vines, and they kind of broke through. So they kind of describe her as her, like the essence of that's the vines that kind of circled around all of these young people to keep them safe and really tap into all kind of artistries. I use hip-hop in the classroom to introduce myself and to set the tone for the experience. I use it all the time, even in classes that don't have anything to do with hip-hop. I, I start my classes with music because it lets the students know who I am. So if we're talking about religion still, this idea of like sending your spirit forth, right? Sending it before you. Hip-hop lets me do that. Whether I'm driving down the street with all my windows down, like bumping something in a neighborhood that I've never been in before, or my students walk into the classroom and they listen to a song that they've never heard before, that tells you everything you need to know about me and where I come from and my positionality. So yes, I might be in this space where there aren't any people who look like me, but you're going to hear me before you see me and recognize, oh, this is different. This is going to hit different. This is not what we thought it was going to be. So sometimes hip hop is a shortcut for a conversation about identity just based on the music that you like to listen to. Using hip hop in the classroom has built in therapeutic value as it helps kids connect, engage on a higher level and feel better about themselves. It's value in mental health. Therapy, counseling, even connecting with mentors is immeasurable. We are in an exciting time, finally, where programs across the country are using hip-hop for mental health and embracing its benefits. So the modern version of the program, which started as Young Warriors and now has expanded into what I call hip-hop heels, and it uses culturally sensitive, evidence-based, and trauma-informed um, approaches to dealing with youth who are struggling with traumatic experiences, community violence, whether it's youth violence or gun violence, gang violence, and who are dealing with behavior problems like disruptive behaviors or, or you know, they, they're really struggling trying to make it through schools and institutions and they might even got court involved. So what rap and hip hop does is it infuses those best practices to enable us to engage the youth in, in content which is important to them and also emphasize lessons about how they can better build their life skills and kind of get out of some of these traps that they've fallen into. Being inspired by content in the music as well as the life experiences of the artists themselves. 
Schools themselves are building recording studios in their libraries or entire integrated multimedia centers where kids learn to work with technology, collaborate with others, and most importantly, express themselves. So it's one thing to play a song and say you should go do well in school. It's another thing to identify a rap artist who actually had dyslexia and ADHD who struggled in school, may have got kicked out, but kept persevering and went back and got some form of a degree and or has now moving forward with their career. That's a whole different level of engagement and motivation and credibility that you can quote from a musical culture that they respect and connect with. First, you introduce a topic and a focus. For example, it would be school success or behavior or dealing with community violence or the trauma of losing friends through gun violence or COVID or whatever it may be. The second step is you, as you understand, we say you chop it up. You find out what were their lived experiences? What were things that bothered them? What are successes? What are what are what have they been exposed to related to this particular topic to get their life story and get a feel for how they're seeing this topic, what they think about this topic, what they agree and disagree. Then you move to the third segment, which is you use a strategically selected musical item. But it has to be something that reflects rap and hip hop culture because that's your hook to get them motivated and to get them engaged. Dissertation. Melly Mel wasn't just executing a clever turn of phrase when he announced to the world, don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. The struggle is real. While the corporate world seeks to present music as pure entertainment, for the performers, it's as much about catharsis, self-expression, and escape. And that is equally true for the listener. In a world where therapy can often be out of reach, unavailable, or even stigmatized, hip-hop is essential. Some people can't live without it, me being one of them. It was an, a good escape because after school, there not too much really to nothing to do for me, but, but I was into the sports. So if I didn't have to go play basketball or, or do some football, or try to do some sports thing, we would wait to hear if Flash would come out with the music and play the music and I would go listen to that. That would be my escape because again, you know, when that came out, the music come out, people come out, the girls come out and we get to observe stuff, you know what I mean? Right. So I, I would more say it was a good escape because it was something that it took our minds off of doing something probably dumb and we was there on yes. point. We didn't leave. If they stayed yes. there for two hours, we stayed there for two hours. You, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hip-hop for me, from its inception, has been very therapeutic for me. Hip-hop helped me um, engage with other people. Hip-hop helped me to break down some of the walls that I had built up between me and the outside world. Hip-hop was my escape from the ills of the community from things that were going on outside that I had no control over, but had to navigate through. Um, so as uh, as far as a therapeutic thing, hip hop and all of its elements did that for me um, throughout my career, throughout my life, and continues to be that uh, that one thing that doesn't you know let me down. That one thing that you know keeps my uh, my spirit alive. That keeps my uh, my dreams, my hopes alive, it's bigger than myself. And so um, as long as it's here, I know I'm okay. Um, and 
I think for a lot of people, uh, creators and listeners, music, and not just hip-hop music, but music itself does that for us. And so if, it, if the question is hip-hop, music, therapeutic, to the fifth power, baby. So I just want to be here to recognize the importance of discussing mental health and being there to support your loved ones and community. That is how we grow, change, and continue to create. This is the origins of hip-hop, and we're out. And don't miss the Origins of Hip-Hop television show, only on A&E. Go to AETV.com for information on how to watch. This episode is hosted by yours truly, Grandmaster Kaz. Produced, written, and edited by Bennett Barbaco. Produced and edited by Rob Armjar. Written and produced by Clay Seneschal. Associate produced and edited by Emma Damakosh. And executive produced by Bennett Barbaco and Larry Adam. And for A&E, this episode was also produced by Aisha Jordan. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn. And executive producer is Jesse Katz.